But I, I, I know that I have a word for the church this morning. I know it was a word for me, uh, and there's been some confirmation this morning. So if you could all just pray with me, and we'll, we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for, for your word, for your, the, the, the power it has to, to change us, to, to instruct us, to show us the things we've, we're doing wrong, to show us how to make those things right, and how to lead us in righteousness, Lord. That every aspect of your word is powerful, that it's, it's God-breathed, it's inspired, it's living. And I ask that you use the word you've planted in my heart to speak to your people this morning, that I would get out of the way, that it would be a living word, that lives would be changed as mine has been changed, and that you would just work on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, of you guys have ever went into a situation that you didn't really have a firm grasp of your ability on? Or maybe you, you just weren't really prepared for it? Hopefully all of you, because I've done it many times. You know, it could be something major, like uh, committing to change the clutch on your truck, truck only to realize that uh, it's a big job and you don't have the real tools, the resources, or the time to really do it efficiently. You know, a one-day, three-hour, you know, a three-hour job turns into a one-week job. But my clutch is fixed. <laughs> or maybe you spent some time at the beach yesterday and you overestimated your body's ability to absorb UV rays. And you, you, and you got, a, got a little sunburn, you know. And all jokes aside, you know, we've all been in those situations. And... For those of you that have been or you know that as a spoiler alert, they don't turn out very good. You know, things quickly get out of control, quickly start looking down, we start losing hope, we start losing focus, and we, we, we almost want to give up. You know, we start doubting, we think, you know, we prayed about something and it didn't come out the way we wanted it to, and next thing you know, we're doubting that, you know, we're in the will of God or whatever it is, it just, it just scourges our heart when things don't go as, as they are planned. Hopefully you guys can relate, because if not, I'm, I'm going to be preaching to myself this morning, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, recently I've shared, I, I believe I've shared, but I, I've, I've been praying for the heart of David in my life. You know, I've been reading through Psalms, and you just see the things in his heart that were so awesome. You know, in a time when so many people were getting the relationship with God wrong, that, that man was getting something right. And I'm not saying David was someone to aspire to be, that he was perfect, he didn't have faults. I'm not even saying his heart was perfect. But what God said about David is what I desire. He said, David was a man after God's heart. He knew that God had to do a work in his heart for him to, to, to get things right. And that's, that's what I desire, to be a man after God's heart. And I thought, you know, I thought I was ready for that. You know, they say, they say to be, uh, um, to never pray for patience, because to, to get ready for what God's going to do to your life to bring you patience. You know, I thought I was ready. I thought I was like, you know what? I've evaluated what David has in his life. You read through the Psalms, and you read things like, created me a pure heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. 
Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. It's good stuff, right? I mean, who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want that heart in their, in, their, in their chest? Who wouldn't want to desire to love God's word more than pure gold? Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> you just might get it. You know, I, I don't know who this, I've heard this saying before, you know, when you pray for rain, you got to deal with the mud too. You know, you know, and when I was you know, going through my notes last night and preparing this, you know, I had this joke that I was reminded of, you know, kind of fell in line. It's, these three dinosaurs are walking down the beach. They come across a magic lamp. So, of course, they rub it. They get the genie come out. There's three of them, so they each get one wish. And they're all meat eaters. So the first dinosaur says, I want a nice big hunk of meat right now. I want to eat it. So, boom, there's that big hunk of meat. He starts eating. The next dinosaur says, no, you know what? I, I'll, I'll do one better. I want a meat shower. So all of a sudden, it starts raining these big hunks of meat all over the ground, nice big layer of meat all over for him to eat. Sounds pretty good, right? So the third dinosaur says, you know what? I want a meteor shower. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. You just might get it. You know, I had this desire to have, to have the heart of David. And I, I was ready. I thought I was ready. I was like, I see, I see the word, what, what God says about David. I'm ready. I'm ready for that heart transplant. Take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. That's what the word says, right? I was ready for that, the heart transplant. Put me under, Lord. Wake me up when it's done. But I didn't know it wasn't a heart transplant. It was going to be heart surgery. The Lord is going to show me the areas of stone in my heart that need to be chiseled away to reveal a heart of flesh. The things that I needed to address in my life so that I could have that heart of David, a man after God's heart. It wasn't just take out the old heart and give you a new heart. It's like, no, I'm going to fix your heart. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. You know, I quickly found, you know, in a, a place over, not necessarily over my head, but in a place I didn't really want to be. Because, man, when the Lord starts working on your heart, it's, it gets real, real fast. But I've learned that it's critical to maintain a healthy view of your heart. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a place like I did. Like you, things get out of control without you knowing about it. Things might get hard. Things might get sneak in there. Things might take over that you don't really know about. But if you're regularly doing checkups, if you're regularly evaluating your heart and with things in your heart, those things become less and less. So if, with your permission and, and your blessing, I'd like to do a heart checkup this morning. I think... You know, I think that was confirmed in some of the things this morning that, you know, God's after our heart. He wants our heart. So the first thing I realized is that it's possible for our hearts to become stony and not realize it. It's possible to get caught up in doing things, even things for the kingdom, things for God, but we lose the heart behind it. We start going through motions. It becomes habit. We focus on the actions and not the motive. We focus on... It, things, things turn into habits 
and we lose sight of the heart. We know from Scripture that this is not what God desires. He's not in it for actions. He's not in it for the outward. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about how, how much service you can do at church, how much things you can do for the Lord. It's about why you're doing it. It's about the heart behind it. We have to make sure we're regularly checking on our hearts because this happens in my life. You know, you, you, you do things, it gets, this, gets repetitive, and next thing you know, not even intentionally, you just fall into a habit. And you, like We've talked about that with communion, with sharing things, t- talking to people. You just, it just becomes emotion. And then next thing you know, your heart just kind of gets hard and you lose that, that, the heart of flesh. And if you keep that up and you don't address it, you're going to end up in a pretty scary situation, a, a, a picture that Jesus paints. It's a very common passage, but if, if you want to turn it, you can. It's in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. I also have it on the screen if you want to follow along there. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Man. Reading that at face value, you think those people are doing some good stuff. Casting out demons, performing miracles, stuff I I don't do. You know, couldn't, how is it possible that they are evildoers? It was the heart. They weren't doing, they, they didn't have their heart in it. Now, that's a very sobering statement because it tells me that those who find themselves in that situation thought they were doing the work of God when they weren't. It tells me that the people that find themselves in that situation are caught off guard. They weren't expecting that. They were expecting to be ushered in with open arms and a, a powerful greeting from the Lord. But they got caught off guard. They got kind of smacked in the face. No, your heart wasn't in it. Depart from me. And the scariest thing about it is this little word in there. Many will say to me in that day. Not a few people. Not just a few people are going to get it wrong, but many will get it wrong. If that doesn't call you to want to check your heart, you better check your pulse. Because no matter what you're doing right now, if your heart's not in it, if you don't have the heart of God behind it, you may find yourself in this situation. But like I said, if we're regularly, if we're regularly going through these checkups, not just when we pray for the heart of David, if we're regularly checking our hearts and reevaluating things, we won't find ourselves in that situation. God is awesome. He, he, he likes to help us in little ways, not just before we get too far gone and it has to drag us back. He wants to help us in the small things. As, as, we, as we commune with him, he'll address the little things in your life so that you don't get to that point. The second thing I learned is that <clears throat> our hearts can become divisive and us not know about it. You know, cares of this world sneak in and they, they, take, they take little pieces of our heart. You know, I know we share this all the time, but when you first get saved, there's nothing you think can come between you and God. You're, you're on fire. Your heart is soft. You want to share it with everybody. And then a week later, a little piece of that's gone. And then another week later, another piece that's gone. Maybe that's just me, how it worked for me. Hopefully, maybe you did it better than I did. But the cares of the world, man, they sneak in. And they take over. 
You know, the cares of paying a house mortgage takes over your desire to, to give to the Lord. You know, thankfully, like, like I said, you, you confess that to the Lord and it was just a small thing. Had they continued down that path, man, that could lead to a, a hard heart. You're no longer trusting the Lord. How much better things may be going, you feel more secure financially, but you're not trusting the Lord. The heart's not in it anymore. But maybe it's just a little bit. Maybe, maybe only a little bit of your heart's been stolen. You know, isn't that okay? 99, if I give 99.9% .9 of my heart to the Lord, you know, and I leave a little, little piece over here for the world, isn't that, isn't that good enough? I mean, doesn't, doesn't the Lord just want a majority? Isn't it just a, a good, we're good, good enough to get in? I'd say, no, that's not enough. John 2.15 says, 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. It's not, not just say don't love the world. It's not an and or. It's don't love the world or anything in the world. If you do, the love for the Father is not in you. Man, that's... God wants your, whole, your heart, your whole heart, and nothing but your heart. You know, a practical picture of a divisive heart is, well, I think, I think of the nation of Israel. You know, they, they just couldn't seem to get it right. No matter what they did, no matter what God did for them, they always had this little piece of the world that was pulling them back. You know, I mean, I can't think of anyone that saw a more powerful hand of God than the nation of Israel when they were delivered from Egypt. And the things he did for them in the desert. I mean, food falling from heaven, water coming from rocks, plagues, I mean... How, how, could you, how could you possibly have a piece of the world still hanging on to you when you see all that stuff of the world or from God? You know, it's been said that it took God one night to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And in reality, they, he never did because Israel always had that piece of Egypt in them. And the next generation is the one that got to inherit the promised land because they, they failed. They, 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 they could not let go of the world fully. They're, they always had a divisive heart. But David's life portrays a drastic difference. I mean, he was a man after God's heart. You know, I read Psalms 119 the other night. And if you want a picture of David's heart, read that psalm. I challenge you to read it. And just look for phrases like, All my heart, or wholeheartedly, the joy of my heart. I, I, you know, I quickly counted them. You know, I underlined some of them. I got like nine or ten. There's probably more that I missed, you know, in a quick count. But I didn't find phrases like, I love you with every piece of my heart except for this piece. Or I'll give you this much of my heart until you do this part. No, there, there was no negotiations in the, in the matter. David loved the Lord with all his heart. You know, the third thing I learned... And this one, I think, really hit me. Is that our hearts can become fickle and we not realize it. As soon as challenges arise or things don't go the way we expected, we're grumbling. We're right there with Israel. Man, I'm hungry, Lord. We had onions and vegetables and all this food in Egypt. I'm hungry. Where's my food? <laughs> we, we look at them like, man, how, how could they do that? How could... They see all that God did and still grumble about when he maybe took a couple extra minutes to get him something. How could they do that? How could they have that heart of a heart 
And here I am, you know, a pastor of a church, and I'm praying for something with my family, and we're testifying, we're prophesying this thing. People are praying for us, and we have this vision of how things are going to go out, and the second things don't go exactly the way I expected. I'm like, what happened, God? Where, where, where were you? I thought you had this. Where was the blessing? All the years, he's done miraculous things for our family. And it's... No, Lord, what, 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 what happened? Where, where were you on this one? You, you blew it. No, we, we had this plan. We had this desire for you to give us the desires of our heart. And you didn't give it to us. What happened? Instead of focusing on all that I had. All that, instead of Israel focusing on all they had. They focused on a couple things that maybe didn't go, they didn't have right away. Instead of focusing on the miraculous bread from heaven. They were focusing on the onions they had in Egypt. Instead of focusing on the miraculous ways that God provided for them in every situation they'd been through up to that point, they focused on the next hill they had to get over. The Lord parted the Red Sea for them to get out of Egypt. They get to the promise, I know those people are too big, we can't fight them. He destroyed the entire army of Israel, or Egypt, in a flash. Now we, can, we can't fight those people, they're too big. It wasn't, no, God did this there. He's going to do it again. That's where, that's where I found myself. It wasn't all the testimonies, all the things I've looked for in the past, all the things God's done for me in the past. It was, why didn't you do this, God? Why didn't you do that again? Why couldn't you have done that in this situation? A fickle heart. And, and to me, that's, that's the worst heart to have. A fair weather fan. You guys know those people? Fair weather fan. I remember kids in school. Whatever, whatever team won the Super Bowl, whatever team won the World Series the next year, man, they had the hats, they had the jackets, they had the shirts, maybe bumper stickers on their cars. They were the world's biggest fan until they flopped that season. You know, but then you got the next level guys, the guys that always wear the shirts no matter how the seasons go, the solid fans. Then you guys got the guys that go to the next level. They paint their car with Steeler stripes down the middle. <laughs> I mean, they're commi that's commitment. They're letting the world know, I don't care how this team does, I love my team. I don't care what that team does for my you know, joy level on Sunday morning, I love that team. You know, the most extreme example I've ever seen of this is on Molokai. Those of you that have ever driven from the airport to Molokai have probably seen this house. That's commitment. His, his cars aren't in this picture, but he also has two cars with Broncos on the side of them. There ain't no hiding the fact that that man is a, a Broncos fan. Fair-weather fans, the worst. Fickle-hearted people, the worst. Are we fair-weather Christians? I, I found out I was being a bit of one. Man, I, we sing it all the time. I was kind of hoping we'd sing it this morning because it would have been so fitting. But, man, life is so good when you're up on that mountain. Life is good. Everything's good. God is good. He's been so good to me. Then start going down that valley. God, where are you? That's when faith, that's when it becomes real. You know, talk is cheap up on the mountain, it says in that song. God says, talk to me when you're in that valley, when your heart's being tested, when your heart's being shown to be true to me, or it's being fickle, or it's being divisive. You know, I said this was the hard one for me, and 
it, it, it hits home. You know, a Fairweather fan is content as long as things are going good with their team. You know, you might have, you might have a fan that holds on to a team for a couple seasons. I'm sure there's a lot of Fairweather uh, Patriots fans out there. You know, or now, now there might be Buccaneer fans. Maybe they're Tom Brady fans. But a steadfast, committed fan is content no matter what. Are we Fairweather Christians or are we steadfast in our love for him? Is our love based for him based on our, his promises to us or our current circumstances? Is it based on the fact that you're going through a trial right now so you don't love him quite as much? Or is it based on his promise that he'll pull you through this? That no matter what you go through right now, it doesn't compare to the glory he has in store for you. Is your, is your love for him based on what he's done for you? Or what we want him to do for us? Man, I, I love the Lord when I saw that that vision coming. Man, God, it's going to be awesome when you give that to us. It's going to be, we'll be so happy. Man, it's going to be awesome. But it didn't happen that way. So, do I, so I love God a little bit less, maybe. Fickle. Do we trust the plans He has for us? Or are we expecting certain things? You know, we love the quote... Jeremiah 29, 11. That God has plans for us. That they're, plan, they're good plans. Plans for us to prosper. And we sign that contract, right? We say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in. I'm in for that plans. But let me add these little notes up here at the top. I want those plans as long as they consist of this, this, and this. Then, then I'll be in for your plans, Lord. But he's like, no, no. I want you to sign a blank piece of paper, give it to me, and let go. That's what, that's, what God, that's what falling into God's plans look like. It's not reading a contract over and agreeing to it. It's signing that contract blank, blank check and handing it over. Say, Lord, I trust you. Are we content with what he's done for us or do we need more? Man, God, I love, I love how you showed up in this situation. I love how you've done this in the past, but man, if you could just do this too. We give him, we give him little criteria to meet, start putting them in boxes that fit our lives, our situations. We need to get to a place where God is enough. A place where we're content. Where we don't need anything else. You know, Paul got that right. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I, I am in need. For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, we like to quote that last part. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But no, it's you can live through any situation he puts you in when he's all you need. When you don't want anything more than God, you'll have anything you want. But... 
for me, I found myself wanting God and this, or God with that. And he, he gave me cracks, you know. <laughs> when you don't want anything more than God, you'll have anything you want. That we could all be in that place this morning. You know, we sang it this morning that, and it's been talked about that Jesus is coming back soon. But he's not coming back for just any kind of people. He's coming back for a bride, a bride that's ready. How many weddings have been delayed because the bride wasn't ready? A lot of them, I imagine. I mean, there ain't no wedding happening until that bride is ready to come down that aisle. And I dare say our groom doesn't want to come for his bride until we're ready, until our hearts are ready. The question is, how long is he going to wait? You know, when he came the first time, he had a person go before him to prepare the way for him. You know, and the Bible in so many ways parallels itself. I think it's safe to say he wants someone to prepare the way for him this time. You know, we're that people. But, as we said, we, we pray for this revival. We pray for him to do a work in the nation. We pray for all these things to go right. But we ignore our heart. Fix everyone's heart, Lord. I'm good. Don't look at my Give everyone else in here a heart transplant. Don't look at my heart. It starts here. It starts with our heart. You know, that desire of David to have a clean heart. I, mean, I shared this a few weeks ago. To have Jesus, God restore a right spirit within him. Once that's done, then I will tell others about you. Then I will draw others to your kingdom. It starts in our heart. We have to get our hearts right. You know, just like in the, world, in the physical world, there's, there's a point where your heart will get where it's too late. You know, it's better to, to evaluate your heart before you end up in an ambulance after a heart attack or heart failure. It's better to know where your heart stands. I think I found out this week or these past few weeks that our spiritual life is no different. We need to evaluate our heart because get caught in those motions. Things just, things just become routine. Things get hard. Things get sneak in there. Then you find yourself not content anymore. You know, I think this is a timely word. I think on an individual level, the Lord will do things in our lives to show us what needs to be addressed in our heart if we let him. But we have to surrender that. My favorite illustration of surrendering, surrendering our heart is one Chip Ingram uses. It's like an like a HVAC system in a house. You know, you have all these vents for the air conditioner to go in. What vents in your heart are you, do you still have closed? Where are you not allowing that spirit to flow? Where are you not allowing this, the God to come in and do a work? We need to open up all those vents. It's not about how much of the Holy Spirit we can get. It's about how much of the, the Holy Spirit gets of us. That's what it is. It's not having the Holy Spirit come into our hearts. It's surrendering our hearts to Him. So on an individual level, He does things to get our hearts right. right? That's what we just talked about. Then on a corporate level, He does things. And I believe when the Lord starts showing you things, things let go of, things things that you got let go of in the world, things that are 
steal in your heart, you start clinging to him more. He removes those cares so that he's your care. And I think that he's doing that on a worldly level. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I care a lot less about this world than I did two years ago. I am ready. I mean, there, up until there was a point where I'd be like, Lord, you know, I want you to come back, but maybe I can do this first. Or maybe we, I can see my kids grow up. Or, no, Lord, come now. Come. I'm, I'm ready. There's enough of this stuff. I'm ready. But we've got to prepare the way. We've got to share his message. There is so much more work to be done. It's not just throwing up our hands. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm ready. Who cares about anyone else? When you have that heart of God, everyone else matters. God doesn't desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's a lot of work to be done, and we need the hearts of God to get that work done. You know, I hope I helped someone this morning. Otherwise, I was just airing some dirty laundry. But uh, I, like I said, I, I think this was, this was a timely word. Because it's, it's easy to get caught up in things and not know what really needs to happen in our lives. Lord willing, over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to look at the heart. You know, what it, what it is to have the heart of God. What it is to have the heart of the Father. Just the importance of allowing God to do a heart work in our lives. Let's pray. Follow me.